Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is liturgical dance. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, liturgical dance. I have actually <laughs> seen it. I have no idea how to describe it. You're going to have to take it from here. Oh, come on. When did you see it? I saw it actually at a bishop's installation. So we're okay. talking some fairly reputable liturgical dance. And yet my eyes, having grown up Catholic and have no idea what liturgical dance is, a polka mass, yes. Yes, I've been to, I understand. Okay. Liturgical dance, no. So my eyes were big as saucers and he turned <laughs> to my husband and I'm like, what am I seeing? I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and how was it used within that setting? I think it was just sort of a, just as part of the service. It was just, it was a while ago. I will also uh-huh. say that probably right. a decade or two. Right. It was some time But ago. it was integrated into the whole thing. And so like people in the aisles or was it something that was up front during a particular hymn? I believe they came down the aisles and ended at the front. Okay. Okay. So liturgical dance is a particular, I mean, it's lots of things. Uh Liturgical dance is lots of things. And I see your laughter. Like, (laughs) no, you see skepticism. (laughs) A little bit of humor behind it. But not outright laughter, because like I said, I've seen it. I know it's Uh legit. It's just not common. Correct. It is not common in our ELCA mainline mainstream denomination. Yes. Correct. Did it evoke any kind of emotion other than utter confusion when you experienced it? Not really. Especially because this also came not long after I converted to being Lutheran. So again, hardcore Midwestern Catholic looking at it going, I have no idea what this is. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. This was much more than 10 years ago. Yes. Because, yeah, this is a long, long time ago. This is much more than 10 years ago. Okay. So liturgical dance is movement used within worship in an intentional way to enhance the worship experience. Uh And it can be dance-like, it can be movement, it can be improvisational, or it can be choreographed. And it is done with an intent to express spirituality through the use of a full body movement. Okay. And we're talking more than swaying as you're singing hymns. We're talking full body intentional movement. Yes. So dance Mm -hmm. and it can be choreographed or it can be improvisational. And particularly if someone is trained in different forms of dance improvisational can be truly beautiful in the moment. And there are certainly dancers for whom like an absolute set choreography, if there's a a troupe of liturgical dancers who create a piece of choreography, I think the first liturgical dance that I ever saw was actually the first time that I ever heard Holden Evening Prayer's setting of the Magnificat. Okay. And it was at the National Youth Gathering in St. Louis 
it was the summer of 2000 before I went to seminary. Mm-hmm. And in the dome, in the big worship evening kind of service, they had one night where they did hold an evening prayer, the Magnificat piece, and they had liturgical dancers dancing to it. And it was this beautiful balletic piece set to that piece of music. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And what it evoked was this sense of the same kind of things that any kind of ballet or any kind of contemporary dance, contemporary ballet choreography would evoke. Okay. So if you think of like, mm, whatever those competitions are on TV. Oh like, yeah. You're so you think you can dance kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Where they do like the incredible choreography to the piece of music and give it some interpretation. Mm-hmm. There was one on So You Think You Can Dance that was a modern ballet piece that was to Fix Me, I think is the name of the song. Okay. And the choreographer had dedicated it to someone that he loved who had a a long-term disabling, disintegrative illness. And this whole, you know, I will try to fix you. It was the fix you, not fix me, fix you. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just this incredible piece of choreography. And, you know, half the audience is weeping by the end. That's the same kind of thing that liturgical dance is. It's an interpretive piece of choreography or improvisational movement to try and elicit or evoke this kind of emotion that sometimes words just can't quite get to. And so it takes music and movement and combines them to evoke a spiritual experience. Where does it come from? And is it like, do you have to have it in a service for it to be liturgical? I mean, where, where does that line fall between just your dancing to a song that happens to be religious versus liturgical dance? Do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, I do get what you're asking. And I would say I don't know where like modern liturgical dance comes from. I I honestly don't know. But before we started recording, you said, because it's not in the Bible. And I kind of raised my eyebrow because, I mean, what does Miriam do as soon as the waters crash down on the Egyptians and Pharaoh's army, but lead the people in a dance praising God? Okay. And that's liturgical dance. If liturgy is the work of the people in worship, that's what Miriam does. With song and tambourine, Miriam leads the people in dancing celebration for bringing the people of Israel through trial and into freedom. And David, as he writes the Psalms, King David talks about dancing all the time. So movement and dance have been a part of worshiping God since time immemorial and the modern root of liturgical dance as we understand it, the use of this in a way in which we know it now, I don't know that root. And I will say that there are more denominations and more traditions that use it that are not necessarily mainline Protestant. I can see that. 
that this is a little, this is something that is more in touch with those denominations and congregations that are more comfortable with the Holy Spirit and with freedom of movement and with embodiment of faith. I mean, I don't even like to clap in public. There's no way I'm going to bust out and do a dance. (laughs) So I get it. I get it. Yeah. So what do you think the common themes are in the times that you've seen it? Is it as much celebratory as it is anything or is there more to it? Oh, I think there's more to it. You can do it in all different kinds of ways. So I think that there are those who do use it for celebration and those who do use it in moments of praise. But I think there are plenty of times that it's lament. I personally have done liturgical movement. I wouldn't call it dance because I am not trained in dance. But I personally have done liturgical movement for Good Friday services Really? And you're going to have mm-hmm. to explain this to me because I'm not sure what I would be seeing. <laughs> so when I have done it, it was in California and at my ministry in context is what they're calling it now, but my teaching parish congregation. And we had our Good Friday service was set up that we kind of did. If you remember some of our, and I guess it wasn't Good Friday, it was um, Palm Passion Sunday. Okay. So the Sunday when we would read through the entire passion narrative Mm -hmm. as a congregation. And we had a setting that was pretty enacted and there were different people who had different parts and it was pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. And so there was actually a role written into the script for a liturgical movement artist. And I had just come with my theater degree and I was still young. So I did... I think it might have been my second year, but so I did in my blacks with my neutral mask on. Mm -hmm. So I have a neutral mask, which is just a white mask that is made to kind of neutralize facial expression. Sure. I'm thinking of the comedy and the tragedy, but without any expression. Yeah, but it's just a half mask. Okay. Okay. It just comes up, like covers the forehead and the eyes. It doesn't cover the mouth or the bottom half of my face. Okay. It's a plaster mask and gessoed white. So it doesn't have any particular look or any particular color or features to it. Just neutral. And pulled my hair back, black clothes, uh, solid black I might've even used my dancer shoes, my like modern dance shoes. Mm -hmm. And throughout the reading of the piece, throughout the reading of the passion, I took on different roles. So I would kind of be around the people and I can remember like sort of slinking along within the congregation to get them to like say the crucify me lines and get them kind of fervored up and get Mm -hmm. them going on that. And then eventually during the actual crucifixion scene, I was the one standing in for Jesus on the cross. Oh, okay. Right. So like that gave representation. I was that neutral figure to play into the different roles and and embody the different places and practices. I think it was the same year we had Robert Lang, who's an incredible origami artist, actively folding a piece of origami on the side, and he was folding Christ's face. 
Oh, wow. On the side as he was doing this so that it would end by the end. So it was very much this artistic, all embodied kind of journey that the gathered people were taking to experience the story as we heard Peter's betrayal and we heard the people get riled up and we have the drum beating and the drum is beating the heartbeat that stops when Jesus dies. And we have, right, it was a very experiential kind of worship service. And so to have an embodier, to have someone doing this kind of liturgical movement was just one more element of bringing the service to life. But it gave that extra element of opportunity for grief, opportunity for a tangible. It was certainly a fascinating experience for me as a younger, newer Christian. Uh, holding my arms up for that long sure, was a very interesting experience. My shoulders were really sore for days. And that was a very interesting way to go through Holy Week with that very physical reminder. Who had decided that they should try liturgical dance for something like that? Because like we said, this is not a common every Sunday kind of thing. It was written into the script. So this particular script was written with it part and parcel into the experience. And I think that there are many different experiences like that that are written mm -hmm. with that kind of experience in mind. And I think congregations and spaces, some of them are open to that kind of embodiment and some of them simply are not. Sure. Because as we've established, it would be whoever is on the worship committee basically, who would get to choose yeah. whether or not you do something like this. Exactly. And it uh, it also depends on who's in your congregation and would be able to do it, right? Like maybe you have an amazing person within your community who is a dancer and they want to use their skill in this way. And you would be foolish to not find a way to incorporate that gift of God into your worship, or maybe your community is one that does incredible embodiment work somehow. Maybe that is simply part of your overarching community. I, I think it really depends on who your community is and what kind of work your community does. If you have a ton of healers, if you had a ton of body workers, massage artists and acupuncturists, you know, a lot of people who work with human bodies... It would not be strange to want to have embodiment. Mm -hmm. And if you have a lot of people who dwell in their heads all of the time and really want to ignore that they have a body, it becomes very awkward. Sure. Right? And it also depends upon the space that you're in and how much space you do or do not have available to you to be able to do this kind of thing. Architecture always wins. Yes, we've established that in past podcasts. Indeed. What was the reaction then to this or any time that you have either been a part of liturgical dance or seen it? It is so rare. Yeah. It is something that is extremely rare. It is not often used. So Do you I think love it's it. not often used because of the reaction or just because you don't often get the opportunity? I think because of the reaction. 
it needs to be a really creative community who's ready to welcome the embodiment. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very hard for Lutherans. (laughs) Yeah. To do. (laughs) And, and so, yeah, I think it would be great to do more of it. And I, I think it's a challenge. Do you see more of it now or is it really something that you haven't seen like me for a couple of decades? I haven't seen a lot of it in about uh, 12, 15 years. Now, let's factor the pandemic into this because the last, I'm going to say at least three or four years. Yeah. The chances of seeing it are going to be rare at best. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if it ever makes a comeback. Do you think it'll make a comeback? I don't know. I would love for it to. I mean, I think there is such a freedom in expressing faith in full embodiment, but again, it's hard. And I think you're right that with the pandemic in there, it's even harder because being free with our physical forms is even harder now, Mm -hmm. especially in public ways. Do you see it as something, were you to use it, that you would do either more with the hymns that you would encourage it, or is it something that would come with a sermon, or where would you even put it in a service? It would really depend upon the dancer, the movement artist, and what kind of a piece they would want to do it. So another place that I have used it is at an ordination, and I was the singer. I sang the piece, the children's song, Do You Hear the Cry of the Children? Mm -hmm. And I sang the piece, and then dancers danced to it. So that was used as a piece of special music offering. And that's another way that it could be used. But again, it depends upon the service. It depends upon the movement artist, what kind of piece they would want to do, if they would want to do it during a hymn. I mean, another way to do this is even just to think of ASL interpretation can be a kind of movement Mm-hmm. can be a kind of liturgical movement that is holy. So it's all open. It's all potential, but hard to make happen. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. Uh-huh. When are you going to bust out liturgical dance next? <laughs> when am I going to get my liturgical movement on? Well, or when are you going to request it in any like upcoming <laughs> service or whatever? Wouldn't it be fun? I have no idea. I There's haven't... no like, for some reason, this falls in a weird spot and this falls in a weird spot. So let's do something a little bit different this time. Wouldn't it be fun? Gosh, I, be I should think about it. It would be something. <laughs> you say it would be something. It would be. Because that's like getting the, the review of, well, the play was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be something. It would be. <laughs> Well, I'll house this. If I do consider it, I will do a little bit of education ahead of time so it doesn't throw people completely off. That would probably be wise (laughs) because I'm going to guess that most people have not seen liturgical dance. And you want to set the dancers up for success. You really do. Yeah. And anybody can do it, right? It's not like you have to be ordained or you have to even be trained as a dancer. No. It's just holy movement. All right. May the Holy Spirit move you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about liturgical dance. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic.
As do I. And if there is anyone out there who has better information about liturgical dance or more accurate information about this out there, please, please, please leave a comment on our website or our Facebook post. Direct people to places where they can learn more and help spread the word about this awesome ministry. It is a beautiful thing. Until we are back in your ears again, remember... God loves you no matter what.